Hey guys, it's Dr. J. And Apostle Sherman. And we are so excited that you have tuned in for this week's message. We pray that it blesses you and helps to transform your life and the direction that God has for you. Enjoy the message. Door I have, he has. Whatever, wherever place I go, he has access. And so he's a he's a friend to me. His wife is a friend to me. I love them dearly. Thank God for my brother, brother Joe. But let me say this. Joe kind of shady, man. This is this is literally. I've been knowing this guy since I was around two or three years old. So in our family, he's like our biological brother. My father and mother actually call him their son. And I'm and I do know this. He doesn't know this, but he's actually a part of their will. So he is a son. He's a he's a part of the family. And uh, it's not much. We didn't put much in there, but it's enough. But he's kind of shady. Let me tell y'all why. Joe used to travel with me everywhere I went. When I started, before anybody knew who I was, we would get in the car. We would have to drive places. And then as he got paid and got money and got a beautiful wife and a big home, he stopped traveling with me. But the only time he always wants to travel with me is when I come here. And I personally think that's shady because it's California, it's warmer, y'all nice, and everybody looks nice in here. No, I need you to go with me to the ugly churches. <laughs> he would have gone to fancy place. No, thank God for my brother who travels with me. He helps, helps me out. Y'all clap for Brother Joe. Hey, Amen. I thought I had seen his ex-wife in here. I was scared because I was like, but it wasn't her. I did. But it wasn't her. <laughs> uh, delete that part online. Amen. No, I'm glad to be here. We got to get to the word because there's a few things I need to say so I can sit down. Would you guys turn with me to the book of Esther, chapter number four and verse number 10. This is the first house I will release this word, but I will continue to release it this season. Now, here's what I believe prophetically. I believe, and I've said this on numerous occasions, that we are in a new year but the same season. And so being that this is the same season, what I sense prophetically and very strong from an apostolic place is that this horrendous season that we are in is going to end this year. But people are like, oh, that's great. But it moves us into another season of greater. Everybody say greater greater responsibility as the body of Christ the light is going to be on us and so whereas I'm, I'm assuming most people think that means a sigh of relief those of you that are watching online you may assume that means a sigh of relief but it actually means there's a greater responsibility that is being released so I'm going to release this word I was going to say for the remainder of this year but I don't know that to be true because I may not need to release it beyond the first six months or so because it is a seasonal word that won't have much value on the other side of this season. But I know that today is the first day I'll release it into the world from an apostolic point of view. And then next Sunday, I'm going to release it to my church. So I haven't even released it to my church yet. And for those of you that are watching online that may be members of my church, you get the preview. But um, it's important for you to grasp this. So if you are watching online, if you haven't done it yet, press the share button. That is your new outreach tool. Press the share button. Every time you press share, you invite your family, friends, and followers into this fellowship. You're inviting them to church. It may be a virtual space, but it is church. Tell your neighbor it's still church. It's still church. So for all of you that say that you're nervous to walk up to people, and I'm nervous to give people um, cards, I'm nervous to invite them, there's no nerve beyond this finger. All you got to do is just press the share button, and you can invite all of your family, your friends, and your followers into the fellowship. All right, Esther chapter number 4, verse number 10. 
The Bible says in the New Living Translation, I apologize, I'll use this version. Then Esther told Hattuk to go back and relay the message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So then Hattuk gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. This is what Mordecai says. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief, listen to this, for the Jews will still arise from some other place but you and your relatives will die. Who knows? Perhaps if you were made queen for just such a time as this. Verse 15 says, And Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. Old school said, if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Father, I don't need to stand up here for a long time, so I need you to give me clarity, brevity, to speak the word of the Lord with accuracy so that it is released into the atmosphere. This is bigger than all nations worship assembly San Bernardino. This is the beginning of the release of a declaration and a prophetic word that is going to guide us during this season. So we bless you now that your anointing, your backing, your power, your support, your endorsement would allow this to flow frequent, freely excuse me, and fluently. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen and a woman. I'm just kidding with you. Y'all saw that nonsense. A man and a woman. <laughs> Amen. God is great. All right. Um, yeah. Look at your neighbor and say two words. Say, I'm going. That's it. I'm going. I'm going. All right. I'm going to begin this with a very unpopular prophetic declaration. It is going to be countercultural. But I feel that this house is mature enough to handle me speaking this. And those of you that are watching online are mature enough to handle me speaking this. We are going to say a thing that is countercultural. It is against the popular vote of society. God in this season is raising up champions on behalf of the kingdom. And the reason why that is countercultural is because the greater majority of the people in the culture that we live in have bought into media manipulation that has intimidated you to believe that the season that we're in and the effects of this season will never come to an end. So there are many people that believe for the rest of our lives on earth we're going to wear masks. That is not true. There are many people that believe the coronavirus will never end. That is not true. There is no pestilence nor disease listed biblically that ever lasted for eternity. All sickness and disease, though it may have had a season of dominance, came to an end. So we know that at some point, corona will die. Now, we are in a season. Oh, God. Who said that? Kick them out. 
Corona be gonna. I heard that guy, he pre somebody preached that sermon. I was like. <laughs> but in all sincerity, there is going to come an end. Think about it. There was a time when polio ran the world. Not many people get polio anymore. Scurvy ran the world. Gangrene ran the world. Leprosy ran the world. There was a time when chicken pox was something that was very deadly, and now it's something that people have gotten over. So we understand even from the Spanish flu until now, corona is indeed a harmful virus and a pandemic, but we must not celebrate it as king. Because when we celebrate it as king, we give it the right to reign. And then it can decide how long it wants to reign. But even biblically, the most evil kings did not live forever. So there is an ending to this season. Somebody say, it will end. It will end. Type that in the comment section. It will end. And so we have this time frame where people are afraid for their lives. But we also see political unrest, social uprising. We have seen the uncovering of the mask of racism. It never left. Racism has always been there but they have been able now to take off their clan robes and put on Armani suits. And they've taken off their clan robes and they've learned how to cut grass and hang out with you and tell you, et cetera, on and so forth. So the spirit of supremacy remains in this culture and has been exposed by tyrancy. So, so you have to understand this is deeper than politics. You can choose who you want to choose when it comes to political grounds. And, and please know this, I am neither Republican nor Democrat nor Independent. And this is the reason why I'm probably unpopular because you cannot be an effective prophet and side with a political movement. Um, the Bible says that when Joshua was going to war, an angel of the Lord showed up and he asked the angel of the Lord, whose side on you are you on? And the angel says, I'm on none of y'all's side. He says, I'm on the Lord's side. Rudolph McKissick says it this way because God doesn't take sides. He takes over. But even more so, God doesn't choose sides because his side is the only side to choose. So he wants you to choose his side. He doesn't choose yours. So we cannot force God into a Republican agenda or a Democratic agenda or an independent agenda. The only thing that the Republicans, Democrats, and independents can do is submit to his will. Outside of that, he is not bothered with our politics. Do you understand? And so with this all happening, we have become so consumed, stay with me, with the political agendas of men, the media manipulation, the effects of the pandemic, and many people assume that where we are, we will always be. This is rough. But what God is going to do in this season, he's not going to do it for us. And that's challenging because we've been begging, Lord, do this, do this. And he says, no, I will not do this for you. I will do it through you. This, now, this is the part that many people struggle with because religion has taught us to have a do it, Lord scenario. But from the beginning of time, man has always been in collaboration with man for the pushing of his agenda and kingdom in the earth. When he gave man the garden, he also handed him dominion. That is sovereign rule. I work through you for the manifestation of my will in the earth. All right. This is why God could not interfere. We've talked about it with Eve eating from the tree because he had already given them dominion to make decision and choice. And they chose opposite of his best. But please understand it was the will of the father for the righteous to rule the earth. How do you know? The book of Ecclesiastes says that man was created upright. That means righteous. But he has sought out many inventions, meaning that he went in the opposite direction of what God said. 
So if man was created righteous and God gave man dominion, God gave dominion to righteous people first. Righteous people rejected the dominion and the authority and pursued the will of the whisper. The will of the whisper was Satan who whispered in their ear because he knew that man was the ultimate authority in the earth. And in order for his will to be implemented, he needed the vehicle of man the same way God needed the vehicle of man. If God did not need the vehicle of man, he would have redeemed man in the very beginning when they sinned. But he had to wait until Jesus was here so he could redeem man through man. So what God's going to do, he's not going to do it for you. He's going to do it through you. Now, when you embrace this concept, you will understand that the shifting of this season is going to be predicated on volunteers. This is challenging. But the volunteers are those who say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Now, watch what I'm telling you, and you might want to take notes because this is a prophetic word that I'm speaking to you right now. This next season, God is raising up champions in 12 areas. I spoke this primarily, I believe, in March of last year, and now is the season we will see it manifest like never before. And then I'll share with you something that I think will twist your mind concerning the story of Esther that many people, I've never, I've never heard many people speak on it. I'm sure there are those that have. But if you'll listen, I promise you it will give you revelation and enlightenment. The Bible is very clear to us that God works through us, and the Lord specifically spoke to me about champions he's raising up in 12 areas. This means that God's going to use people in these areas, all right? So when you say, Lord, deliver us, he will send deliverers. Moses, I'm going to deliver my people. Is that what he said? He said it. I'm going to deliver my people. But God never came down and did it. He sent Moses. Huh? He says, Moses, I'm going to live. So God says, I'm going to get the glory out of this, even though you might get some credit. Because I'm going to work through the vehicle. God says, I want to establish a work in San Bernardino. And God did not come down here and start this church. He needed vessels to do the will of the Father. This is so difficult for religious people to understand, but this is a mature house. You all know this, that God's going to work through you. So the number one area that we're going to see God move is in the area of science. He's raising up champions in science. Then he's raising up champions in medicine. I'm going to move a little slower so you can write it down. He's raising up champions in religion. Church and religion, all right? The fourth thing, he's raising up champions in community work, community. Fifth thing, he's raising up champions in government. This is important for you to understand that the shift that we're waiting for is coming through people. Sixth thing, he's raising up champions in the area of law. Legislation, law, all right? Seventh thing, education. And when I say champions, these are people that are going to shift systems completely. Education. Number eight, Hollywood. Pay close attention. The LGBTQ community has taken over Hollywood because of the heavy influence and imagery and audio that is continually distributed to push their agenda. And one of the major agendas that is absent in Hollywood is the one of the kingdom. But this is a season where now we have access like never before where the gatekeepers who once could keep imagery away based on what they wanted cannot do it because of social media. Yeah, because content can be created now that they cannot censor based on what they don't want to see. The same way we unfortunately have to see what they want, they now have to see what we want to see. So in Hollywood, God's going to raise up champions, listen to this, this is different, in entertainment. 
Entertainment is not just movies. Entertainment is not just music, but there's various forms. So you're going to see champions in entertainment. Next, you're going to see champions, don't get bored yet, in media. This is very important. We're going to see the body of Christ move into an area of media and not just the 700 club. Come on, come on. I'm not insulting you, but not just TBN, not just the Word Network. It is going to be heavily influential in CBS and NBC and MSNBC and Fox. Y'all said them too? Yes. All right? Media. The last two, athletics. I'm going to prove my point in just a moment. Athletics. And then the last one is the marketplace. Now, when I go down the line, science, medicine, church, community, government, law, education, Hollywood, entertainment, media, athletics, marketplace, what do they all have in common? All of them were heavily impacted by the pandemic. Every last one of those areas is now at high alert simultaneously, whereas in times past, they may have been high alert individually. Every last one of them has been impacted. We are talking about them emptying the churches, and it is a bad thing that we've had to empty our churches over the virus, but don't get it twisted. The Golden State Warriors are equally as frustrated. The playoffs are going on right now, and there are no fans in the stands. The school system is dealing with the absence of people being in the buildings. Hollywood has to shut down sets because of the coronavirus. Come on and talk to me here. Media institutions are no longer able to go into their stations. They're doing the news from their computers. The communities have been highly impacted. Science has been highly affected in areas we thought we knew we did not know. Medicine has now become so strange that you can't even go visit your loved ones in the hospital. Every area that I have mentioned from law to entertainment to media to athletics to marketplace have been highly influenced simultaneously at the same time. And if everyone is being impacted at the same time, that means there's about to be a paradigm shift that's going to affect every area in the world. So if God has everyone's attention at the same time, that means he's getting ready to implement something in the earth that is going to shift everything. But here's the part. He's raising up champions. All right, now let's go here. But many of the champions will not look godly. Because if we wait for church people to line up with what I just said, we will never see it manifest. Because many of them would rather stay inside and pray in tongues than to learn new languages. The Bible says they will speak, those that believe, new languages. Come on here online. New language does not just mean your heavenly tongue because when Jesus told them they would speak new languages, the upper room experience happened and they were not speaking in a heavenly language. They were speaking in other languages. Which meant that people that did not speak their language, uh, they began to speak in those people's languages and it said they were prophesying the good things of God to whereas people that at one time wouldn't understand could understand what they were saying. What are you telling me? God's giving new language to go into the marketplace and speak on behalf of the kingdom, into the legal system and speak on behalf of the kingdom, into education and into science. We don't need more prophets, we need more scientists. We got enough prophets on Clubhouse. Come here. We need more professors. Y'all not going to help me now. We got enough prophets telling you about your next car. We need somebody to teach you to fix your credit score. This is what God is saying. It's champions raising up. Come on, y'all. We got enough praise and worship singers trying to do an album. We need you to learn about deals 
and publishing. Come on. And owning your masters. I might need to spray this mic with Lysol. So these champions are raising up. Tell your neighbor, I might be one. I might be one. I might be one. And some of y'all said, no, 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 preacher. I'm his. He's raising up to fulfill an assignment. Now, with that being stated, that's our groundwork. Let's see if we can move quickly. Then we move to the story of Esther. Now, most people quote Esther, if I perish, I perish, I'm going to be with the king. And I'll try to walk through this quickly. But the story is very interesting because I'm going to say something that did not dawn on me until this morning. Now, I was excited about this word, but there was something that manifested that shook me to my core. Well, it starts with a character by the name of Xerxes. And if you know anything about Xerxes, he was actually, they tried to depict him in a movie called The 300 one of my favorite movies, where he was considered a god king because he owned so many provinces. All the way from India to Ethiopia, he owned all these provinces, and kings would sit and sit at his feet and do whatever he said. But according to the Bible, this man was a drunkard and a chauvinist. And the scripture says that one day he had a party. It was extravagant. He withheld no expense. They had an open bar, basically. Read it on your own. It was an open bar. Everybody was drinking. And upon getting drunk, he tells them, go get my wife Vashti, who was incredibly beautiful. Now, according to history, there was a probability that she was pregnant. She knew the behavior of her husband when he was intoxicated. And she did not want to go in the presence of him and all of these drunk men so that they could basically gawk over her and basically be completely inappropriate. So she did not go. And the scripture says that he was irate by her refusing to attend. And his advisors, watch who you listen to, told him that he needed to divorce her and that they needed to decree that from this point forward, men had a right to be chauvinistic and speak down on their wives and only their word mattered. Well, he was intoxicated, so he agreed to it. Upon agreeing to it, he became very sorrowful when he became sober. That's why you got to be careful about making decisions when you're intoxicated. And I'm not just talking about drunk. He's sorrowful. And while he's sorrowful, they notice that he's sad because Vashti is still the woman that he loved, even though he made a decision in his emotions. A lot of people in 2020 made emotional decisions that damage relationships that will never be repaired. And what happens is in that time frame, you become saddened because you now realize what you lost. So they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We need to have somewhat of a beauty pageant so that we can get him a new wife because that will console him. And that's exactly what they did. They started to get virgins that were beautiful and bring them before the king. There was a whole process they had to go through. But the Bible says there was a man by the name of Mordecai who was a Jew. And the Jews were displaced at this time. At this time frame, they had come out of bondage. They were displaced. They were kind of everywhere. And they were hiding because there were many people that wanted to kill them. But Mordecai was a man who was a Jewish man. Watch this. This is powerful. He had a family but he had a cousin who had died and his cousin's daughter he adopted his cousin's daughter who was Esther Esther was extraordinarily gorgeous and the scripture says that he knew he was going to have to send his adopted daughter to stand before the king Xerxes because they were looking for beautiful virgins so they take her along with other virgins and there is a man by the name of Haggai who is a eunuch because in that time frame the king would place men over his women or his wives but they would make them eunuchs so they could never do anything sneaky no R. Kelly stuff none of that I don't know how to hog tie people. And so, 
talking about a hog tie. And so, I'm sorry, Robert, I love you, praying for you. And so, um, Haggai was responsible for making these women beautiful. He really favored Esther, and he made sure that she was glorious and gave her some insight and instruction. And Mordecai said to her, Esther, whatever you do, don't tell Xerxes that you're a Jew. Hide that from him, all right? So the Bible says that eventually she ends up in front of the king, and the king favors her above all the other women. Now, after favoring her, don't get bored yet because you're going to be shocked when you find out what I say at the end. After favoring her, the Bible says he puts the crown on her head, makes her queen. Okay. Now, this is all happening. Mordecai one day is trying to watch his daughter from afar to ensure that she's well. And while he's watching, there are two men who are guards that are supposed to be guarding the king are plotting to assassinate Xerxes. And Mordecai hears them and goes and tells Esther. Esther tells the king. They find out. They investigate and discover that it was true. They kill the men that were going to kill the king. And then more and then excuse me, Xerxes asked Esther, who told you this? She said, my father Mordecai. So Mordecai now is promoted to the royal board. In other words, he's given a responsibility in the royal palace because of his loyalty to the king. He's raised up. Now watch this now. The scripture says there was another man by the name of Haman. And Haman is put in a position of authority. And this is really, really something that was bothering me as I read it because I thought it very interesting that this individual is put in a position of authority and we find out that based on his affiliation with his father, he is an enemy to the people of God. He hates the Jews. Now you have Mordecai who is a Jew who is considered one of the children of God. He's on the same court as an individual that hates the Jews. Xerxes is a drunken chauvinist who doesn't even know who he has around him, but he's in a position of authority. He's in a position of authority and he's uneducated. He's in a position of authority and he lacks self-control. He's in a position of authority and he demeans women. He's in a position of authority and he is racist and biased. He's in a position of authority and he is narcissistic and he has no clue of how ignorant he truly is based on the continual demonstration of his inappropriate behavior. I'm talking about Xerxes. I'm talking about Xerxes, all right? I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to trump the word of God. I'm just talking about Xerxes. I'm not. I'm just talking about Xerxes. And the scripture says that one day while Haman is walking, because Xerxes says anybody that sees Haman has to bow down and reverence him. But Mordecai knew who he was. And Mordecai could not respect a man that wanted to see his people oppressed and killed. He said, I won't bow to him. I cannot reverence him because it would seem as though I'm going along with his agenda. So Mordecai sees Haman and he won't bow. And the others say, why won't you bow to Haman when we've all bowed to Haman? And he gives no response. Haman is irate. He goes back to Xerxes and says, because of what this man Mordecai has done, because he discovers that Mordecai is a Jew. He says, because of what he's done, I'm asking you, listen to this, this is important, for you to give me the authority to kill him and everyone in his bloodline and everyone that is connected to his tribe. I want to kill them all. Xerxes, drunken state, a man that does not understand his power. Because authority without humility leads to tyranny. He doesn't understand the power that he has. Clarence McClendon says something that shifted my dynamic. He says, the more authority you have, the less lenient you can be with your opinion. 
He says, because you, you, you got to be careful about sharing your opinion from a place of authority because people can't tell the difference between truth and opinion. Y'all missed that, but that's powerful. The more authority you have, the less you should be sharing your opinion on things, not publicly. And so this man doesn't understand his authority. He says, okay, yes, they mark the date March the 7th and say on March the 7th, which is in the future, we are going to gather all the soldiers together and kill all the Jews. Woo. They set a time. In the season that we're in, you're going to hear many rumors of war. You're going to hear many people declare that on this day, the prophets are going to do this. On this day, there's going to be a riot. On this day, you should be afraid because of this, that, and the other. They marked a date. Let me explain something to you. Just because Satan marks a day doesn't mean he owns the day. Tell your neighbor, Satan owns no days. Satan owns no days. He owns no days. And the scripture says on March the 7th, they had already put it into motion. I'm amazed at the believers who are terrified by humans predicting what they're going to do. The prediction of man never trumps the prophecy of God. If God declares a thing, then that is what it is. But we have to believe it so we can trump the prediction. And a side note, for people that prophesy after the fact, it already happened and then you get up and prophesy. That's not prophesying, that's reporting. All right, back to what I was saying. So the Bible says that Mordecai finds out about Haman's plan and he becomes depressed. Upon his depression, his frustration, and his hurt, he knew it was his fault for his refusal to bow down to a tyrant. He said, it's my fault that this has happened. You got to understand something. When you stand against injustice, you're going to upset the system. And the system is going to respond with hostility. You as a believer must ground yourself to say, if I upset the system because I've done what is right, then that means there's something wrong with the system. So even though the system is upset, y'all getting quiet now, that means that I have upset the system so that God can set the system right. But he missed it because he thought that his life was now going to be gone based on him doing the right thing. So he says, I refuse to bow to a tyrant. Now they're going to kill all my people. He's terrified. The scripture says he sends message to his daughter, Esther. He says, Esther, they are going to kill all of us because Esther. Xerxes has given Haman the right to go forward and uh, uh, basically obliterate our bloodline. Esther says, if I try to go to the king now, it's illegal. Meaning that the legal system is created to keep me out in a time where I need to be in. In other words, there were man-made rules written to only benefit one group of people. And everybody else can only come when they say you can come. She says, if I go now, I'll get in trouble because if, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost, help me, God. I got to keep my tongue. I'm a prophet. If I go now, I'll get in trouble because they said we can't come. The only ones that can come are those in the royal court who the king extends his scepter to. And if he extends the scepter, and that, that means they can come. But if I go, they might kill me. If, if they go to the Capitol building, they can do whatever they want because the scepter has been extended. But if I go, they might kill me. Mordecai says, I understand Esther, but get it straight. Even if you don't go, he's still going to kill you. Because once he finds out you're one of us, 
according to the decree or the law he has made, he has to kill you too. So don't think that being scared is going to change what's going to happen. Y'all bored, but just stay with me for my last seven minutes. Now y'all didn't shout it for 30 minutes. It took away 10 of my minutes. I need it. Live, live, live. Now I'm just laughing. I'm joking. So Esther, here's what her, her father says. He says, maybe, this is powerful, maybe you were anointed to be queen for a time such as this. Now, I know you don't like corona. And I know it hurts you to see what happened with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of the injustices and all the racism and all the different preachers who were supposed to be kingdom that got up and prophesied their priorities and their preferences and did not say, God, what are you saying? He says, I know it hurts, but maybe you were born for a time such as this. Uh, this is your time. I know you look and you say, this is so messed up. But, but see, your grandma and them were born for the civil rights. They were the ones that got bit by the dogs and hit by the holes, but they were born. Oh, God, I thank you. Senator Lewis was born for the time. And now they're leaving here. Last year alone, we watched the Church of God in Christ suffer great heartache and heartbreak as six board members died and left. People who we have admired for years. Preacher, Rance Allen not only is my best friend, Kenneth Lee's godfather, but I was one of his favorite people. He was the only person that could call me Johnny. I would go play the organ for him in all of my splendor, in all of my name and reputation. I would humble myself and play the organ for Rance Allen because he was one of my mentors and he closed his eyes in 2020. Because the Lord said, their time is up. You were born for this time. He said, maybe. And Esther stopped and she thought to herself, this is, now this is when you become a powerful person. She made peace with death. Let me explain something to you. When you make peace with death, no one can scare you. No one can. Martin Luther King... Listen, y'all got to hear me on this one. This is so powerful. Martin Luther King realized what was really going on. And one day he stood up and he said, I might not make it with you. Why did he say that? Because he had made peace with death. He knew there's a chance I'm out of here. But if that being the case, I will speak what God is saying in this moment. Because I was born for this time. Listen to me. Esther made peace with death. She said, I'm going even though it's against the law. Now watch this. She did nothing riotous. She did nothing to hurt or harm others. Because even though what she was doing was illegal, she knew that presentation still mattered. See, we think we, we're just going to rebel and do it the way we want to do it. No, there's even wisdom in rebellion. Martin Luther King said, we're about to rebel, but let's use wisdom. I'm the biggest Malcolm X fan in the world, but Malcolm said, we're going to do this by any means necessary. And that's not always the best way. Because wisdom says there are parameters to the things that we do. Esther says, if I die, this is so powerful, I die, I'm going. And the scripture says she, oh, I thank you, Lord, approaches the king. And when he sees her 
as opposed to him being irate, God had already prepared his heart to receive who the Lord was sending. But I'm about to say something to you that's really powerful. Stay with me. The Bible says that he go, she goes before the king. She says, my king, I need something of you. This is the word that comes out of his mouth. He says, if you want half my kingdom, you can have it. In other words, I'm giving you access to shift the system. Now, had she not gone, she would have never known that God had already ordained for her to have the favor to shift the system. But watch what she does. Watch what she does as a champion. She says, no, this is what I want. I want you and Haman to have dinner with me, just us three. He says, all right. So they end up having dinner together. They all get drunk. They have a great time. And the scripture says that he says, okay, my dear, what do you want? She says, no, I want to do this again tomorrow. He says, all right. So they leave. Haman, arrogant man, goes and tells everybody, I had dinner with the king and I had dinner with his wife, just the three of us, and it was just us, and we're so great, and on and on and so forth. He finds out that Mordecai still won't bow to him. His wife, Haman's wife, gets mad and says, you know what? You need to kill him before tomorrow. Before you go have dinner with them, kill them and put some stakes in the middle of the city so we can impale him in the morning. And he says, all right, baby, let's do it. Wakes up in the morning with the intent to impale him. But the night before, God troubled Xerxes. He wakes up and starts remembering things. He said, wait a minute. Whatever happened to that guy Mordecai that kept me from being assassinated? They said, well, you know, he's still over there. He said, did I ever reward him? They said, no. He said, oh, okay, tell Haman to come here. Haman comes in. He says, Haman, I got a guy, doesn't mention him by name. I got a guy who I need to reward because he's done such great things. I need you to tell me what would you do for a person that you wanted to be honored. Haman was so arrogant, he thought the king was talking about him. So he said, you know what? I would make him the most wonderful person in all the city. I would put the best clothes on him. I would allow him to be marched in front of everybody. And I would say nobody could touch him. And the king says, good, Haman. Now go get Mordecai and you do that to him. Haman has to go get Mordecai, put him on a horse, put royal robes on him, march him through the city and say, this is the man that has been chosen. Nobody can touch him. And then he leaves and goes home humiliated. The next morning, oh, I thank you, Holy Ghost. This is all happening, not the next morning. The, next, the, next, the same day, the Bible says that now it's time for him to go to dinner with Esther and the king. He shows up, he's humiliated, and he's terrified. Because Mordecai is increased, raised up, and then he exposes the plan that Haman had to kill all of them. They go before the king. Esther says, my king, this man Haman was going to try to kill all of my people. And the king looks at what? You're going to try to kill my wife? My son works? Y'all know y'all going to watch part two in March. Everybody know we watching it, right? Esther sits back, and the king in his irate state jumps up to figure out what he's going to do. The, then Haman falls on Esther's couch in fear. And then when he falls on her couch in fear, the best way I can describe it is, let's imagine Esther sitting on the couch. Haman has a panic attack and faints and lands in her lap. Right when his head lands in her lap, Xerxes walks in. He said, not only do you defile her people, you trying to mess with my wife in front of me? And the Bible says they grab him, take him to the front of the city, the post that he put up to kill Mordecai. They impale him on the post. The very thing that was set up to destroy God's people. Now listen to this. 
Hopefully you ain't bored yet because this is good HBO footage here. The scripture says, thank you, Holy Ghost, that they get with Mordecai and promote him as a champion. And they say, what would you have done? He says, there was a day that they had set, that they didn't even know what day it was, for these people to come and kill my people. He says, I declare that on whatever day we choose, my people have a right to stand, defend themselves, and push back those that tried to oppress us. Xerxes says, okay, the day I choose is March 7th. Y'all wasn't listening. March 7th was the day that Haman had chosen to kill them. But Xerxes all of a sudden randomly selects March 7th as the day to deliver them. This is why the devil doesn't own the day. So every time you hear a rumor, tomorrow there's going to be a war, you say, wait a minute, that's a rumor of war. The Bible says when you hear rumors of war, don't be afraid. Because the devil doesn't own the day. I feel the Holy Ghost now. So the scripture says, needless to say, Esther, Mordecai are raised up and they become champions. Here's the part that messed me up. In the book of Esther, Mordecai and Esther did ungodly things. They participated in the partying. They participated in the drunkenness. They did all this crazy stuff. They were deceivers because they wouldn't even reveal who they really were. They participated in things that were less than godly according to the Torah. Here's a real good part. The book of Esther mentions every character I just said. Xerxes, Esther, Mordecai, Haggai. Haman, all these characters are mentioned, but there's one character in the book of Esther that is never mentioned. God. Read the whole book. They never mention God in the entire book of Esther. Go read it. There's no, it never says, and God said, and God did. All you see is an entire course of events. Research it for yourself. Moving from one place to another with no mention of Jehovah. Here's why the church has had no influence in the 12 areas. Because we think if we don't say in Jesus' name, or we don't say God said, or we don't do this, that God is not in the midst of all the intertwined. God says, I need vessels that will move, not just say. See, we're so proud we speak in tongues. God says, okay, but what have you done in the marketplace? Are you so prideful that you believe honestly that my power is limited to what you declare to these people? All of this happened without the mention of God. So that lets me know even when we're not quote unquote mentioning God, we're demonstrating God if we volunteer to be champions. Now, religious people just got so mad that they jumped offline. But the good news is they went and told 100 people what I said. And 99 of those people said that makes sense. And they only got one other religious person that's mad with them. God says this next season is not going to look like church. But God said, I'm in it, even if you don't see me. Because God's not going to do it for us. He's going to do it. Play softly, brother. Where are my champions at? 
How many of you say, I'm one? I know God's going to use me in some capacity. The Spirit of God gave this word to me to release in this season. I'm going to share it to my church next week. Joe, act like you never heard it before. I'm going to share it in different places that I go. Please don't be upset when I come preach at your church and you get the same word. I'm sure God will twist it up a little bit more. But this is a prophetic declaration that the next season of work that the kingdom will do will not look like church. I was praying. First and foremost, God showed me, Jaquette, said that there was within you the wrestling of joy and pain. He said, you got the pain of loss and the joy of gain wrestling on the inside of you. And that's what's been enhancing your gift. And I saw it firsthand when you grabbed the microphone today. He said, this anointing that's on the inside of you, this pain of trying to recover from the loss of your mother is building a word that people don't have in church anymore. It's called empathy. There is a spirit of empathy that's being birthed out of you and your child is actually influencing and affecting that spirit of empathy. It's going to make you so sensitive in your boldness that you will pray for people at coffee shops and just interrupt them and say, I'm sorry, this might seem strange, but I need to pray for you. There's a spirit of empathy that's being pushed out of you to whereas you'll see people hurting. And I even sense this very strong. You're going to have to at some point pin in literature what you have felt over these past few months because there's something that the church doesn't know how to do and that's properly grieve. But the Lord said, in this season, my people cannot be halted by the loss of a loved one. I got to give some information that strengthens them to be able to move forward. So he said, in my wisdom, I placed joy in pain. Ooh. So God is this like literally, he said, there's a toiling. And then the Lord spoke to me and said that you've been vocal about it in this past season. There, what was the man of God that talked about covering? Where you at? You were so on point prophetically because I saw specifically, sister, that you were the one that said, I feel like we've been very uncovered in this season. That the help and the covering that you thought you would have during the pandemic, it kind of wasn't there like it should have been. That's what I sensed very strong. But you never complained publicly about it. You didn't say anything, but you were a little disappointed. Like, how come we didn't get this phone call? Or how come we didn't get this? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, and that's why I'm so proud that you obey God, that this is a season where God is going to send you additional covering. It's not a discredit to any coverings that you already have, but there is an additional covering that will speak to the uniqueness specifically of your gift and what the Lord is going to do through you. Even today, Sherman, you were looking at your wife and I think you saw it. You're like, she's, she's elevating. There's something happening in her. Upon the birth of your child, ooh, there is something greater that's going to come forth in you that at one point you were you, you said yes to God, but you weren't really ready yet. But you said, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll be more responsible. I'll preach more. I'll teach. But the Lord said after the birth of this child, you are fully equipped because of the spirit of empathy that you have on the inside of you. And so it's going to be very easy for you to preach and teach without that anxiety, that anxiety and that strain. It's just going to flow through you very smoothly. And God specifically spoke to me, Sherman, to you. And I apologize, that's apostle, but this is my brother. He spoke to me specifically concerning you. He says, you've already put it in your mind that church as you know it is dead. And you've got some things that you've got on the inside of you about, and you told your wife, hey, we're going to have to, I can already feel it. We're going to have to shift the way we do everything. And there's a lot of people that are going to be highly uncomfortable with the way that we adjust things because this next move is so much bigger than just San Bernardino. It really is the entire state of California. And so the Lord is using this app 
absence of people to give you the courage to do what you sense in your heart to do. And so even though it's not our preference, it's going to work. It's going to work. So the Lord, I thank you, Lord, just the piano for a moment. The Holy Spirit said that the reason why he had to give you a home of seclusion is because your house is going to have to be a place of escape. It's going to have to be your place to escape because in this California region, you will be the first. California. You will be the first to implement what you guys are about to do. So, so even with your house, and that's why I was trying to tune y'all out. Even with your house, God was intentional about allowing the uh, renovation to be disrupted so it could be done the way it needs to be done for your happiness so that you all can enjoy your place in space. I don't know if y'all got a pool, but the reason why you got so much space is because you're going to need to put stuff in the yard that allows you and the children to just vacate at home. This is how big what God is about to do is. It's so much bigger than even this building. I just sense it very, very strong. That what the Holy Spirit is about to do in you guys is so unique. Yeah. Don't be surprised when the movement mimics what you guys are about to do. And you don't even have language for all of it yet, but you just know in your spirit that this is not it. And God is saying that we're going to do something bigger. Vegas is not done yet, but Vegas is only a part of it. It really is the entire state of California, what's about to happen. I really sense, I'm telling y'all, there was a wrestling on the inside of your apostle during this whole pandemic. And I heard God say to me, I love you for this, Lord. He said, I'm going to reward Sherman Dumas openly for his willingness to, pro wait, listen, to prophesy countercultural. Because he was saying things that others were saying he was crazy for saying. And they had given into the spirit of fear. And God had told him, I will keep your house. He said, I'll keep your house. And he even got nervous at times and said, Lord, but I'm the only person that's trying to do this. And I'm scared that what if somebody dies on my watch? And the Lord said, Sherman, I will keep your house. Listen to what I'm telling y'all. This next move, the reason why you're here and some of you that are watching online, please don't be offended that you're not in the room. But those of you that are in the room serve as witnesses for the day that everything shifted in a completely different direction for the church. The Holy Spirit showed the two of you how many people you would win for the kingdom and, it, and you thought it was going to be in a building. But it ain't. It's the virtual space. There were people that were in their homes today and put it in the comment section if you're one of them and go back and read it that were dancing while y'all were seeing in their homes. So I'm saying to y'all that this next move that you experience in this house is going to be so dynamic and so unique. Yes, Lord. Somebody pray in the spirit right now so I don't miss anything. I need you praying with volume. Pray in the spirit. I don't want to miss a word. I don't want to miss a word. And if it isn't the Lord, I don't want to say it. Hallelujah. Apostle, I know you need the money to do this. I pray, God, right now for a $100,000 donor, someone that sows a $100,000 seed into the house. I praise you for great surplus for comfort. Yes, Lord. Great surplus for comfort. Surplus for comfort. That means you'll be able to do it without concerns financially because you know you got great surplus. I, pray, da, 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 ba, ba, I praise you, Lord. I glorify you. Apostle, as you receive invites from your leaders to offer wisdom, 
the Lord says in the last season, you kind of cakewalked and skated around things so you could be honorable. The Holy Spirit says you are honorable. So now you don't skate around anything. You say it the way you're supposed to say it. And it will be received because you're trusted. In a time of distrust, you are trusted. Man, thank you, Holy Ghost. Pray for your leaders right now. Pray for your leaders right now. Roshikeyan. I mean, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray in the spirit. Pray for them. Those of you that are online, pray in your homes. Yes, church is longer than usual, but I'm an apostolic gift. I'm in the house, and there's a shift that's taking place. So, Ken, it's going to be some peace in your heart soon. It's going to be some comfort in your heart. You're going to sleep real good soon. You're going to find that place of comfort you've been seeking real soon. Yeah, I heard the Lord say, I love your honesty. God said, when you pray, I love the way you're honest with me. You're just like Jesus in the garden. You're honest about it. And he's going to birth through you. Great word because of it. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Lady Tudman, you are very uncomfortable in this season. This is a very it's a season surrounded by uncertainty. It's surrounded by uncertainty. Uh, and you have a child, one of your children here. There's a, there, you're, you're surrounded by uncertainty, so I'm going to speak in prophetic code. You're surrounded by uncertainty. And the Lord says you've seen such a lack of integrity in years past around multiple men of God that it has tainted your view about prophetic gifts. It's tainted, it's tainted your view about people who claim to be vessels. And you're very skeptical of some that even others celebrate because of what you've seen. You, even from your childhood, Robasata, your gift wasn't always valued and appreciated, but more so just used. And you said, Lord, I'm sick of being used. I need to see, I need somebody to see value in what I do. Even today, the devil was playing with your mind during church. He was talking to you in church. You were trying to worship and Satan was whispering. And that's why at one point you just begin to shake violently because you were shaking it off. I hear the Lord saying he's stealing that uncertainty around you. It's almost like you've been held up in the uh in the ballast like you being held up while everything else around you is moving around and you're saying how come I gotta be held up Lord I need clarity on what I'm doing for me and my house and my children what is going on and the Holy Spirit said while you were worshiping today I couldn't care less about how you sounded I was concerned about the posture of your heart and because you fought through it and you had the posture right I'm getting ready to resolve situations in your life that have seemed like they've lasted for over 10 years things that you've cried about so much that you stopped crying about it and said Lord I don't even care anymore I don't care I'll just play the role I'll just do what I'm supposed to do and I'll get out of the way the devil is a liar God said I have anointed you to go into the nations and to declare my praises and to lead my people into glory you are not a side piece so with all this uncertainty and all this shifting God said you're very much a part of it 
I praise you, Lord. I bind the spirit that has you doubting yourself. God, I can't handle this measure of attention. I can't handle this measure of light. I can't handle this measure of scrutiny. I don't want this persecution. God said, I built you for it. Don't you know every time your heart was broken, I was strengthening your heart. Don't you know every time you laid out and cried, I was strengthening your heart. Don't you know every time you thought you were losing losing your mind, I was strengthening your mind. You can handle it. People have had a misconception about you. They've even said, well, she's mean and she's the... No, they don't understand what you've had to fight through. What you've had to overcome. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say you've had to overcome embarrassment and humiliation. And God said, in this season, I will see about you. I need everybody in this room to lift your hands. I'm done. But I know what the Holy Spirit is saying. This is why prophets don't have many friends. We have to say what the Lord is saying. Come on, musicians, you can join the man of God. Now let a sound go up, even with your mask on. Let a sound go up of worship right now. Even in your home, you should be grateful for this overtime. We worship you, Lord. Wow, that was amazing. Agreed. We want you to stay connected with All Nations San Bernardino. Do not let the uplifting stop here. Join us on Facebook or Instagram for more amazing content. We want to connect with you. And guess what? If you're in town or even out of town, come visit us at All Nation San Bernardino all the way live.